Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f What the f gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, this is going to be the first interview that I've conducted from my new uh, summer home studio. And so we may have a few technical glitches. That's just the way it is. It's a nice fall day. We had frost on the ground this morning when I got up. Uh, it's uh, first of November, first week in November. And <laughs> the fly, I'm looking out the window. I'm on the third floor of my uh, my cabin, and I'm looking out the window, and the, the flies come in this this time of year from the outside, and they're just covering my east window where the sun is shining in on. There's just lots of lots of flies. So if you hear buzzing in the background, it's the flies. Well, today I've got an interview that, that I've been looking forward to for a long time. It's It's an old friend of mine. Gary Harris, and Gary's the brother of my best childhood friend, Dave Harris. And Gary and I have a long history, and I'm going to talk to him about some of the things he's done with, uh, with the Boy Scouts and some of the trips we've had. But I'm really going to be talking to Gary primarily about his recent charter trip to the Bay of Naples in Italy. Uh, before we get on to that, I want to encourage you to go into iTunes and write a review on the podcast. Uh, it helps me. I, I got a new review the other day. I'll read that in the next podcast or at the end of this uh, or at the end of this interview. Also, if you are wanting to learn to sail, I have audio courses out there to help you learn to sail. They're the ASA 101, the 103, and the 104. And I have eight of the 16 audio lessons for the ASA 101, the basic keelboat certifications, available for you if you just sign up for the email list. So with that advertisement out of the way, I'm going to bring Gary on. Gary, can you hear me? Gary, you yeah, there? Yeah, I can. All right, good. All right, Gary, let's, uh, let's just go over a little bit of our history together. You're the brother of, of Dave, Dave Harris, my brother my best friend. I grew up pretty much with your family as my second family up in Logan, Utah. And you and I and Dave did a, I mean, I think the biggest trip I remember you and I and Dave doing together was when we went hiking in the Wind Rivers in, in Wyoming. And we went up and down and up and down, up and over the Continental Divide several times during that, that hiking trip. And that was a long time ago. And I think at that time you were still in high school. Is that correct? Um, I actually probably was still in junior high because I remember coming back and the PE coach saw me after, you know, at the beginning of school and he said what happened to you? You're even skinnier than you were when you left last year. Yeah, I remember you complaining about the food the entire trip. It's the uh, ag death march I called it. <laughs> as we were, as you recall, we planned on catching fish and having that be one of our primary modes of sustenance. And uh, the fishing just wasn't all that great. So oh, we, we ate. Were... We caught plenty of fish. You just wouldn't eat them. 
<laughs> Maybe. All right. We are breaking up a little bit, but I'm going to continue on with the interview. We're doing it on Skype, and the the disadvantage I have up here at the uh, at the summer cabin, at the summer home, is uh, is I'm on wireless internet on the third floor, and my router's down on the first floor. So we may have a little bit of a breakup that you're going to hear, but I'm going to give it a shot and try to improve it uh, as we go along. Well, Gary, you've been a scoutmaster. You were a scoutmaster for a long time, and you did some pretty amazing trips with the scouts. And what, what I was impressed with, with was how you funded those trips and the places you went. So give me a little bit of a, a history on what you did there. So, yeah, I started in 1990. Um, this was with uh, the older scouts, 14 to 18 years old. It was the Varsity's Adventures. And so they were... They had a, their basic scout skills, so we did something called a high adventure, and that was usually a week every year. We would essentially plan the year before what we were going to be doing and then prepare for it all year long. One of our favorite things, and it was a regular uh, activity we did just about every other year, was to go to the New River Gorge. We bought a raft from a local outfitter, and so we would uh, pilot ourselves down the New River Gorge uh, through all the class four rapids and just had a great time. We'd camp on the side of the river and uh, we had several survival nights when we would be on the river with nothing but our shorts and our, our towels and we'd have to survive overnight. And that was always a memorable experience for all. We also did, uh, uh, you know, backpacking in the Smoky Mountains and enjoyed having the bears tear through our camp and 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 destroy everything essentially we also did the adirondacks we'd go canoeing up there we did probably three trips to the adirondacks and that was a great experience as well um we also made a trip out west uh, two trips out west one to uh, jackson hole and we uh, went up on the grand teton went climbing up there we also did a trip to a mountain bike trip to Moab, you know, Utah, and had a great time out there. But I think probably the, the, the favorites of the youth were our trips sailing. We did a first trip sailing to Chesapeake Bay. Uh, I guess that was 91 or 92. And had a good time there, but uh, Chesapeake Bay has a little bit of limitations with respect to you know, the, the nettles that will come in and the summer and it's it's not really great for swimming the sailing's pretty good it's of course fairly shallow in a lot of places we did get to uh, run aground once and and experience that that good time but uh, but most of our trips i think did three down to the florida keys and we had just a fabulous experience down there with the scouts um, uh, sailing now as i mentioned with all of our trips we would you know, plan out activities what we would be doing, and then we, you know, have training and uh, things to build up the the youth to prepare for that throughout the year. And with our sailing, we would always have them take the. It started out being the U.S. Coast Guard sailing and seamanship course. It eventually turned into a boater safety course, but we'd run all the youth through that, and it would be usually a eight week, two nights a week. Uh, we would go in and, and get, had, have them get instructed on that. And at the end of that, they would take the exam 
them and get cert get their Coast Guard Auxiliary Seedling certification. And you know, we really made it to a point to make sure that they understood a lot of the safety principles associated with sailing and, and boating because you know uh, you never know what you're going to encounter and, and certainly we did encounter a lot of uh, uh, you know weather related issues as well as had some other emergencies during our trip so it was always good to know that we had a, a crew that was prepared so anyway as a Great time uh, being a scoutmaster. I've now moved on and I'm in the council as a, a district commissioner. So I have more interaction with adults than I do with youth. And I do look back on, on many of the friendships and experiences we had with the youth as some of the my fondest memories. Well, now those youths are now adults. And are they still your friends now? Yeah, yeah. I still maintain contact with a lot of them. Several of them are scoutmasters and, and doing the same things we were doing. But, uh, yeah, I have regular contact with with many of them over the years. Gary, I was a Boy Scout, and I, I really enjoyed the scouting program as a kid. But what what you did really impressed me in, 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 in how you funded these trips. So I want, to, I want you to talk about that, uh, how you actually went ahead and raise the money to fund these trips? Well, when I was in college, our family had a turf farm, and that's how I funded myself through t college, just working on this turf farm. And one of the things that you you do regularly uh, in a turf business is you aerate. And it's typically done once a year. It's uh, out here in the east. It's uh, September time frame. And it's, it's pretty popular with the lawn services and whatnot here. And I, I noticed they were charging, you know, back when we started over between 50 and $75 per yard to go do this on a little quarter acre yard. And I thought, well, this would be a, a good activity to, you know, both raise money as well as teach these young men how to work. You know, as things have changed a lot since we were growing up, we the youth now don't have farms to work on. They, very few of them actually have summer jobs. And so a lot of them really don't know the value of, of work. And so we rented, went down to the local uh, equipment rentals place and we'd rent aerators and pick them up on Friday afternoon. They'd let us keep them till Saturday. And we would uh, make arrangements in the local neighborhoods to go to aerate people's yards for $25 a yard and we did that for many years and eventually got to the point that the rental company sold us the aerators we bought them and then bought a trailer and essentially had six aerators that we could go do this and and uh, expanded our ability to be more flexible on on when we would uh, do the aeration and yeah it became quite profitable we I think on average, you know, per boy, they would be earned between 20 and $30 an hour aerating. And so, you know, a couple of weekends, they could make enough to, to fund the entire year's activities as well as, uh, you know, the bigger trips that we would take to, to Florida and whatnot. So the kids had to really do the work to, to be able to go on the trips then? Yeah, it was mandatory. Um, yep. It, yeah, even though maybe some of their parents were 
well enough to do that they could afford to pay for the youth themselves. We, we made it mandatory. You, you had to work to earn this, and, and it really served two purposes. One is it uh, really hammered home the, the value of, of what they were doing and that they, they have now got skin in the game, they've invested in it, and so it's going to make them want to enjoy the high adventure uh, a lot more since they've got so much invested already in it. And then it, it really did, it had a lot of principles that it would teach these young men about interacting with the uh, population, you know, organizing and tracking uh, the, the the lawn list and, and, and accounting for money and just all kinds of additional benefits, you know, that really helped them uh, to mature. In many cases, when I would talk, when I go back and I talk with these youth, you know, years later, decades later, even though we've had some great, you know, camping experiences, almost to a, to a person, they always reflect back on aeration and what they learned from aeration about life and, 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 and working and the value of work. And I think it was probably, you know, probably a you know, an absolute integral part of, of everything that we did in Scouts is, is what they learned in aeration. I always thought that was really cool because, you know, I, I don't know how many people or how many Scouts do this, but but I you were the first one I'd ever heard of doing it, but and I thought that was really cool. All right, Gary, I think you and I, we, we both, we chartered a boat together down in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, it, was, it was at least 20, well, I think it was actually more like 30 years ago. <laughs> I'm dating myself. That was that your first uh, sailing trip? Was when we went together? Yeah, it was the first uh, you know charter sailing and on a on a big boat. I had, of course, a small laser when I was in high school that I would sail up at Bear Lake. But as far as the the true sailing experience, that was it. And Bear Lake is a, is a, is a lake. Bear Lake is a lake between uh, in northern Utah, between Idaho and Utah. So just just so we clarify that where that is. Yeah. So you know, that, my wife and I joined you and Kay. That was both of our first experience on a boat. We had a fabulous time, and uh, ever since that, you know, we've been hooked and we've been uh, continuing to go and take other friends and been back to the Virgin Islands probably what three more times, and. Uh, and then subsequent trips, as I mentioned, to uh, Florida and uh, Chesapeake, as well as uh, Thailand, Italy, Turkey. This episode, we're going to be talking about your most recent trip, which was to the Bay of Naples. So let's go through that. What company did you charter through, and what was your experience with the charter company? I went through a, a brokerage. Gosh. I'm going to have to come look at my notes on this one. Um, so, so it was actually a brokerage that uh, just, you know, is a front for a number of charter companies. The charter company that ultimately that we got the boat from was a German-based company, and they really catered to German clientele, and most of their documentation and everything on the boat was in German or Italian, and we... We struggled a little bit to find things in English. When I was in Kios one time, and I had my pilot book out, and I, I pulled into the port, and after I pulled in, a German sailor came up and helped me tie up, and, and we got to talking, and he came on board, and he started 
we ext- we started exchanging places to go, information on places to go. So I went down and got my my Imray pilot book, and I started marking notes in the pilot book of of where he was. And he said, you know, that's the same pilot book I get, I have. Hold on a second. Let me go grab my pilot book. So he went and got his pilot book, and it was the same uh, same edition, same pilot book, but his was in German and mine was in was in English. And we just compared the uh, the bulk of the book, and we he just started laughing because his book was at least a third thicker than my book because of the long German words. <laughs> So, so if you were trying to decipher German words, they were long words, weren't they, Gary? Yeah, they just kind of run everything together to explain something, you know. You know, if you can't figure that, find that out, that's no big deal. We can uh, look at that later yeah. on. Okay. Yeah, I'm sitting at my son's computer, so I don't have access to all of my notes. Okay. At, at this point. Okay. Well, so tell me where you started, what the checkout procedure was like, and what the route you took was so we this we put this sailing trip in the middle of a a larger european tour through italy and romania we started out in uh, up in uh, florence took the train down from there to uh, naples and there we picked up a a local uh, car for hire you know he had a, a mercedes van and figured that would be a lot more convenient for us since we were going to be getting provisions and and we wanted to do a little bit of sightseeing before we we got on the boat. The boat was located in a place called Castellamare di Stabia, which is right at the bottom corner of the Bay of Naples before you start out on the Joan Amalfi coast out there. So it actually is just uh, sea adjacent to Pompeii, the city of Pompeii. It's only maybe a mile from Pompeii. So we did, we toured uh, Vesuvius on the way down, went up to the top and looked out over and we could see the islands uh, with uh, Pochita and Ischia to the north and then uh, Capri to the south from the, on this Bay of Naples. So we were able to it was a little bit difficult to find the uh, charter company. The marina was obvious, but the uh, charter company was just kind of tucked away in a nondescript uh, building. So we went out on the dock and asked around, and, and uh, they did point us to the right place. We eventually did get our contract and get our boat and whatnot. It was fairly uh, straightforward. At that point, I left the uh, kids to you know, pack the boat well. Uh, Val, Holly, and I went back with the driver to one of the local uh, supermarkets and, uh, and, and to get our provisions. And it was very convenient to have the driver to be able to take us back and forth and, and with all the um, provisions. So you went and provisioned yourself for the boat. You didn't have them pre-provision the boat. Yeah, yeah. That's always been our preference on all of our trips, and uh, to you know, pick pick our own food. I haven't uh, I haven't taken advantage of any charters where and they provision it. So I think it adds a little bit more to the experience to get out and, and do shopping and 
and things like that. So did you find local markets that you went to, open-air markets, that you did some of your provisioning? Because I, I have always loved the Italian open-air markets. Yeah, and that's actually one of our favorite things is that uh, and, I, and uh, pretty much every morning we would, before we'd leave uh, where we were staying that night, we'd go ashore, a couple of us, and we'd go walk, essentially just follow our noses to find the local bakeries and get, you know, nice fresh bread every morning and we were we do this in four of course before we came down but every morning on our trip that's what we would go do is uh go find the bakery and, and go in and buy the, the fresh bread and a lot of times these were you know the industrial uh bakers that were making the the bread for all the restaurants local restaurants for the tourists so it was really the you know authentic uh you know making the bread right there at uh, 5 a.m. And then we would also, of course, uh, you know, go to the markets and things. And, and we did find some, uh, have some fun experiences in Agropoli, buying spices from some local farmers and coming in and, and get, getting to try out their fresh produce. It was great. So how many people were on the boat? How, how big a trip, were, how big a group were you traveling with, Gary? There were seven of us. I have four kids. Uh, Holly, the oldest, is married, so her husband came. This was his first experience uh, sailing. Uh, uh, my other three kids, Scott, his next, he just got back from his mission and is in college. Julie, she was a graduating senior in high school, and this is one of the things that we do is uh, give the kids a choice when they graduate if they get good grades is they get a choice of anywhere to go in the world um, sailing. And so this was actually Julie's trip. As I mentioned, Holly's was first to Thailand, and then Scott had ch chosen uh, Turkey. Julie picked Italy, and still have Nick, who is now a junior in high school, and he'll have his trip in two years. So, um, <clears throat> so anyway, she, this was uh, Julie's trip. And, uh, so and, she uh, she so she was able to choose the area that she wanted to, to to go to in Italy, or did she have any idea where she wanted to travel in Italy? Because there's a lot of places in Italy. Yeah, there are, and uh, you know, it's kind of one of these things that uh, <laughs> she first says, "I don't care where we go as long as it's uh, sailing," and that's been. Ever, ever since the first trip we took with them sailing, all of them have made that claim. So we then go and look at various op options throughout the world. I, I've ch chartered with Sunsail a number of times previously, and they have a pretty wide variety of, of locations. And so we'll start with that. And then I was actually looking at Sunsail uh, out of Prochita here. But the opportunity came up with this other charter company with a larger boat and better value. And so we just uh, switched over to this. I was thinking about going a little bit further south, but uh, didn't know how, uh, if there would be enough uh, good anchorages and things. We like, to, we like to anchor more than we like to go into marinas. And so I wanted someplace that had some reasonable... Uh, opportunities for anchoring and, and, and they seem to fit the bill for that. So, and of course, 
kids were very interested in uh, the Pompeii and uh, Naples area. And of course, they've heard of Capri and Sorrento. And so it seemed like a, a good a good match for interests as well as uh, the type of sailing we would be doing. All right. So you check out, you get on the boat. Let's go through the, the route on the trip and any particular experiences that, that come to mind, Gary. Well, we you know, kind of left it open um, what we would be doing. I'd, I'd had the, what is it, the Mediterranean Sailor uh, uh, book that I read and got, got a little bit of background on various places to go visit. But was interested in, you know, going down the Sorrento uh, Peninsula and then around to, heard of this place called the Gropoli, you know, which is next to Paestum, which is an ancient uh, Greek city. Thought it'd be fun to go visit that, either sail to it or, or take the train down. But when it, with the prevailing wind conditions, uh, the week we were there, it looked like it would be you know, feasible for us to head down there. So I talked to him a little bit at the marina, and, and we kind of worked out a draft uh, float plan and yeah so the first night our first day we just went all the way around the peninsula and, and anchored in Positano which is on the Amalfi coast it's a very popular trendy uh, location with a lot of uh, tourists and I wouldn't say that it was it's very picturesque but I would say that for sailing it's probably not the best um, uh, anchorage. It was essentially the most difficult anchorage we had while we were while we were there. Yeah, and I, when I was there, it was really, really rolly too. Was it rolly for you? Yeah, it, essentially, there's a south, there was a southeast, excuse me, a southwest swell coming in. But at night, the winds would always change to the from the north, and so we'd be sitting broadside with these rolling waves coming in. You know, and they're only two two feet or so, but it really made for a lot of rolling and rocking back and forth. And uh, that, along with the blaring music from the karaoke bar, bars on shore, just uh, made for a very uncomfortable night. So next morning we got up and essentially as soon as it was light, we hauled anchor and sailed south uh, east down to uh, Agropoli. And that's across the entire, the full bay, uh, bay of Salerno, which is the next bay down. And just sailed directly into Ropley and we picked up, we went in the marina there. There's really no, no uh, good anchorages along that section of the coast. But we did find the uh, marina quite quite pleasant. It was uh, relatively quiet. It was more like, like uh, there, there were a lot of sailboats there, but uh, more of a working marina. Uh, than a lot of the other places. Agropoli is much less touristy than all the other locations that we went to. There were no uh, hydrofoils coming in, you know, every 20 minutes or anything like that, but we found on all the other locations. And it was a little bit out of the way. Uh, of course, as you, the further south you go on Italy, the less touristy I think it becomes. There's fewer people that speak English fluently and and you're getting to be more of a true Italian experience. So we picked up a, the marina, made arrangements for a local taxi to come in, and they took us up to uh, Paestum. We toured 
the ruins there and just had a great time uh, visiting that had the place to ourselves essentially and and then on the way back we he he mentioned that you know Agropoli itself is a really nice town you should you guys should spend some time in the town itself and and up at the castle and you know we didn't even realize that there's a castle up on the hill so he said okay we'll, we'll we'll check that out so we went back and and uh cleaned up and then went out and had some dinner overlooking the uh, marina and then walked up up on this hill to this castle and it's a castle that's been there since 1300 bc it's been essentially occupied by every invader since then including napoleon's uh troops were stationed there and it's now uh, i guess it's a working uh kind of a not so much a museum but like a civic center and they had actually up on top of the castle that night a free community concert that was going on with the uh, you know local folk music uh, being played and we got to enjoy that under the stars and watch the sunset and after that we walked down through the main square of, of uh, Agropoli and it's like many of these towns in Italy you know the thing to do is you uh, go out in the evenings and uh, just walk up and down the main boulevards with all your friends and you know eat and have dinner and and sit and visit and that's you know what this town was, was like with all the locals it was, it was awesome the promenade the evening promenade i always loved that about italy yep evening promenade yep so, so I've, i haven't been there so that's an that's a town that i've never been to i've been to salerno but I never went south. I took a train from Salerno down to Paestum. And what, just like you said, when we were there, which was, I think, in July, uh, we had it to ourselves. So it's a very undervisited uh, Greek ruin. And it's, it's a fantastic Greek ruin area. I mean, there's lots of, I, mean, I, think, I think there's three or four temples in that area. And it was pretty, pretty cool. And I, when I was reading the history of this, it was a very prosperous town until the people started dying off from, uh, from malaria. And so the the Greeks abandoned it, and and that that's why it's one of the best preserved areas for Greek temples uh, in the Mediterranean, I think. So yeah, yeah, it is. It's really neat. You know, at the end of the trip, we did Pompeii, which is also very neat. But you know, we got there right as it opened, and so we had the place to ourselves for about an hour and a half or two hours, and then all the uh, torques from the cruise ships that come into Naples hit and it just became absolutely packed you know wall to wall you're having to you know negotiate your way through tons of, of people so Pompeii is really worth it but only go early and have the you know much better experience so anyway anyway yeah Groffley was probably our favorite our favorite location of, of everywhere that we went. It was, a, it was a real gem. I highly recommend it. From that, we what, uh, Gary. Gary, what what was the marina said, cost? What was the marina cost like? And and I, know, I don't think we determined what size boat you're on here. It was a 44 foot Oceanus Juno. So, and so yeah, we had ample ample space for us on this on this boat. Every day we would 
take turns. I would have somebody else take turn being the pilot. And so um, we would just alternate the chores for everyone. So the next day we got up and uh, we had some dinghy issues with our dinghy motor at Positano and had a local mechanic work out that work on it in Negropoli, and he came in the morning and dropped off the motor at 9.30, and we were able to leave at that point. That's a little bit later when we usually like to leave. We usually like to get out and get our saving done, you know, uh, early in the day and find a place to stay, you know, in the afternoon so that, you know, be comfortably anchored and, and set. But this day was really late getting started, and, and then started off with a with pretty good wind off to the out of the north east so we were broad reach back to capri and eventually the wind turned until it was pretty much dead on so we were having to uh, attack quite a bit and beat into the wind that slowed us down quite a bit so we didn't actually get to capri till around seven o'clock at night so arrived a little bit later um poked our head in a couple of places to try to See, see where it'd be a good anchorage. We did ultimately end up right on the east end of Capri in a small uh, anchorage with uh, maybe 200 foot cliffs all around, three sides of us. And there's just a, one other sailboat and a, and a uh, large yacht, uh, motor yacht in there with us. But uh, had a fairly comfortable anchorage there last that night. And being it wasn't, we weren't near town, we, we had dinner on the boat that night and just had a nice quiet evening together. The uh, did did you ever go around and poke into the harbor of Capri and go up to the little town while you were there? Yeah, well, we we did, and essentially we start. So we started on the east side. We went around the southern end of Capri clockwise around uh, the next morning and went to the Blue Grotto to see if we could get in there. Uh, we got there at 7 a.m., which is before the tourists, which was our intent. And unfortunately, the tide was a little bit high at that point, and you can only get into the Blue Grotto at low tide. And they have, you know, it's a park or a, I don't know, it's all commercialized, so there's a dock there where they take your $12 fee, and then you also have to pay $14 to get in a boat with a, a rower that'll take you in. But uh, none of that had started yet, but uh, clearly we could not get in even with our, our dinghy. And so uh, <clears throat> Holly really had high hopes of uh, getting into the Blue Grotto. I'd, I'd received reports from my parents when they had done this on a tour decades ago that they thought it was uh, highly disappointing experience and so I wasn't too too worried about missing out but it was impossible for us to get in so at that point we uh, headed north up to the Isle of Ischia and so essentially uh, arriving there uh, early in the afternoon. So on this day you you went around you wanted to go to the Blue Grotto but it failed, and then you just headed north. So you didn't take the vernacular up to the little town in Capri then? We didn't. We never we never really went ashore. We came back to Capri at, at the end of the trip on the way back, hoping to uh, 
possibly get into Blue Grotto, but again, we were it was then packed with tourists, so we couldn't get in. So we never went in to uh, the marina. Capri was extremely busy. The uh, of course the marina was completely full. There were boats anchored at the entrance. Uh, there were a lot of uh, hydrofoils coming in and out. It was uh, extremely uh, difficult. And here we are pushing the last week of Ju July, so it's starting to be high tourist season. So yeah, we never did, and we. I guess that'll be on the list for next time. So you went up to Ischia. Where did you go in Ischia? The hot springs, or where did you end up heading in Ischia? Well, uh, we we anchored just. There's a causeway that goes from the west east side of Ischia to a castle. Yep. And there's a nice nice little uh, anchorage to the south of that that is perfect is perfect for us. So we just put in there, there's maybe two dozen other boats there. And then we just went over to the causeway and, and we would, I had, we had some issues with the head uh, macerator pump. So I stayed on the boat that afternoon. The kids went up to the castle and did a tour of the castle. And then uh, during the evening, we went into the main town and had dinner, you know, and did the promenade and uh, spent the you know, quiet evening there. We did also go swimming and jumping off some cliffs around the island on the castle. Had a good time swimming at Ischia. Yeah, and I've been to that uh, that anchorage. I've been to that anchorage, and if the wind's from the north, you go to the south the south side of that causeway and, and vice versa. So it's, it's a good anchorage for, for most winds. You just go around the, the little peninsula where the castle's at and go to the other side if, uh, if the wind's from the wrong direction. Or from the south, I guess. So, yeah. So, did you go ashore for dinner that night in Ischia? Yeah, we did, and uh, had a nice, nice dinner. So, in general, most of our dinners were for the seven of us. They were maybe between a hundred and a hundred and fifty dollars a night, um, which I think is perfect. You know, very reasonable. Some. Some of the places we would be able to get pizzas for five dollars a piece, and they'd be really good pizzas. So, I thought in all, you know, the, the dining in Italy was very reasonable and and, and very good food. I had very good experiences. So Ischia, no, then then where did you go the next day after that, Gary? Next day we went to the adjacent island Procida. So this is just to the east of Ischia. It's a very picturesque. Both Ischia and Procida, the main harbors, are on the north uh, east side of the islands, and there, there's a lot of uh, ferry traffic coming in and out, and a lot of, uh, you know, in the main marinas, there's quite a bit of, uh, you know, the typical tourist, you know, ex uh, type locations with uh, bars and restaurants, and then expensive shops and souvenirs and trinkets and t-shirts and a lot of people we generally avoid uh, those types of locations and look for something a little bit more secluded and again on Crochita the same thing went around the island uh, to around the east there's another castle again out on a point on that island but on the south side of Ischia is another large bay that's protected from the north wind. It's uh, it was a, another great anchorage. This is the side that if you've seen pictures of Prochita with the 
houses, they're flat top houses with all different colors going up the you know, hillside. This was that location. So this was extremely picturesque. It was absolutely beautiful, you know, a full, full view of this uh, beautiful town. And then just to shore to the left was the, or excuse me, to the right is the castle. We went ashore, uh, walked over the top, over to the main part of town, uh, did some grocery shopping, came back, went up to the castle, walked all around the castle. This one was more of a castle ruin. It was uh, a lot of it was blocked off, but there, there are ruins up there and a lot of really uh, beautiful views. Watched the sunset, took some photos, and then came down and to the beachfront. Uh, waterfront at the marina uh, pizza place and had uh, another fantastic dinner and then spent the evening in quiet uh, in this anchorage on our boat we did this we did some swimming in this location as well so sand bottom in general I don't think we really had any really you know uh, world-class diving with the reefs or or things like that in Italy that was a little bit more murky, not quite as much the sea life as as we've had other locations, but swimming was very pleasant. It was uh, beautiful weather. All right, so now we're, I think, what, three, four nights into your trip here. Was this a week, week trip or a two-week trip that you did? Uh, I was just, it was uh, one week, and we spent the first, the first night in the marina at uh, Costa La Marde, and we were going to spend the last night there as well. So this was our this was actually our last night away from Costa La Marde. So next morning we got up and headed back down to Capri. Uh, saw that the Blue Grotto had maybe four or five hundred people there waiting <laughs> to go in three at a time. Okay. Yeah. And, and and boats arriving every two or three minutes with, you know, another 30 people on them. So it was just absolutely crazy. And so, so we sailed back up the Sorrento um, Peninsula, stopped in and went swimming uh, in one of the bays, dropped anchor and went swimming. Unfortunately, we picked a place where some, some sunbathers, uh, went two two old men uh, decided they didn't need their swimsuits and so right behind us where we you know we where we were anchored and our stern of the boat facing the rocks they came up and decided to have a big conversation face to face you know with everything hanging out and it kind of, it kind of ruined the love for us <laughs> it was and that was the first First time we experienced anything like that in in Italy. All the uh, other locations, people were fairly uh, uh, fairly well clothed. One thing I would note that uh, in in this area, there there's really no such thing as beaches per se. It's you know all kind of uh, it's, it's mostly rocks and cliffs, you know, and, and very jagged, sharp rocks, uh, but. When, anywhere there is anything close to a beach, it is there's a hotel and they've plunked down uh, umbrellas and and everything is uh, completely packed with people. Well, you can't even walk between the towels. 
and generally the the beach is not really sand it's it's more like small pebbles or or even you know fist side pebbles yeah so you're you're really not going to be going there for for the classic quintessential sunbathing on the beach but we had a boat so it was better yeah i i've i've never been a beach person because i'd just soon swim off a boat never been a beach person and the other thing is, in the Mediterranean, you float so easy because it's so salinity. Do you notice that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's never been an issue. The kids, you know, the kids love swimming. We, we, we love, like to just go hang out and swim around the boat as well. So, yeah. One of the other things that we really enjoy doing, of course, when we're sailing is to put out a, uh, take, we usually take hammocks on our, on our trips and we can sleep in them at night or we can hook them up to the spare halyard and we will then swing them out over the uh, water as we're sailing and so the kids will go ride out over the waves and you know you can splash into the waves and you know swing back and forth it's a lot of fun so yeah you've done that on a lot of the boats on my boat i don't think it's quite big enough to do that but i know you did that you sent me some videos of you doing that with the scouts on one of your trip trips doing that and that looked like a lot of fun so after this then you basically went back to the marina and and closed up the the contract at the marina then yep we closed up and then and then had dinner ashore one of the restaurants and uh castle mara had some has some really good restaurants it's a nice seafood place right there at the marina we were staying at it's very popular you know and then there's also gelato and a nice fruit bar uh, just across the street where you could go get fresh cut fruit and uh, and served and that was that was spectacular it's really good and then uh, so we needed to get up early the next morning because we wanted to do Pompeii before we headed back up to Rome so um, yeah we we didn't we did, we wanted to be there ready to go first thing and we just rode the, the uh, local train that runs down the coast from uh, Naples back up to Pompeii and visited that for a couple hours and then uh, on a, up to uh, uh, Naples where we caught the high-speed train back to Rome. Okay. All right. So tell me about this whole trip, though. So this was, you started out in Florence and then you ended up in Romania? Yep. So Florence and then here sailing and then we did, went up to Rome. We had a place... Uh, and, and we rented all of our places except for the boat through uh, home away so they were you know flats that people uh, ran out and we had a, a really nice place in Trastevere, which is just across the river from uh, the old part of Rome but you know so it was a little bit uh, more out of the way it wasn't quite as uh, as uh, it's congested, I guess. There, there's a huge park up there that we were right next to, and so we had a little bit of a decompression time to just relax. It's a large flat, probably you know, 1,500 square feet, which is huge, you know, with uh, four bedrooms, and really nice place. And so from there, we would take the uh, the uh, buses down to the various sites in Rome. You know, we did the the Vatican and the, of course the Colosseum, the Forum, pretty much uh, 
all the all the sites in Rome for uh, five days. And then from there, we uh, caught a plane to Bucharest and then picked up cars and we went up into uh, Transylvania in the Carpathian Alps of, Trans of uh, Romania and had a nice home up on a hillside overlooking the mountains and had uh, cows uh, come past the house every day and at night. Uh, uh, we could hear the, you know, sheep and the cows out in the fields and just had the actual spectacular, beautiful, bucolic scene up there in the countryside of uh, Romania. And then from there, we drive drive around to various uh, uh, sites in the, in Transylvania. We did, of course, Dracula's castle in Braun and uh, went to paragliding. Rashov, went mountain biking, rented some mountain bikes and, and rode, rode uh, some pretty awesome trails. So it was, Romania was a fantastic uh, experience. We then spent the last couple uh, nights back in Bucharest and, and uh, had a great experience there. With some, Bucharest is a pretty neat town. It's a you know typical European uh, city with all classic architecture buildings and, and very friendly, wonderful experience. Now you had an advantage in traveling in Romania because uh, your your son or son-in-law, and I think it's your son-in-law speaks uh, speaks the language, correct? Yeah, that's my son Scott. Yeah, okay, Scott. He he speaks Romanian, and but we did find in general. A lot of the English speakers, you know, of course, up in the countryside, it was maybe a little bit different, but uh, so, but yeah, he, it was great. He did all the translating for us and, but uh, yeah, and then we, we met up with some of his friends at various locations. Uh, it was a lot of fun for him to get to see his friends and you know, a lot of neat people. All right, Gary, do you have any idea where your next trip's going to be? I don't. We're planning it out. I've been starting to research a little bit, thinking uh, maybe St. Lucia or Grenadines, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I'm, op I'm open to suggestions. Something, uh, something a little less conventional, if we can. All right, Gary. Thanks a lot for sharing that with me. You know, you've got a, you've got a journal, and you've got basically got about a 14-page, 15-page journal that you kept on the trip when you get get a chance to finish editing that is that going to be available for the listeners to to read if they're interested yeah yeah i'll uh, i'll get that uh, edit to you this afternoon and uh, yeah go ahead and post it it has a few pictures well it, yeah uh it's you know sailing it really is fun and it's a, it's the perfect family activity to do our, our family just loves it because you know you you get to experience uh, this stuff together, and I can't think of a better thing to do as a family than to go sailing and pass this on to your next generations. All right, Gary, thanks a lot. Appreciate you coming on today. All right, thanks, Ron. So that finishes up my interview with Gary. Gary and I go back a lot of years.
like I said at the beginning, it's always good to see Gary. I saw him actually, I saw him out a couple weeks uh, when I went to the funeral of his brother that passed away. I talked about that in a previous episode, so I saw him a couple weeks ago. We made arrangements to, to talk and do this interview. So I wanted to thank two listeners that went into iTunes and wrote reviews on the podcast. The first is Tim Wolf, who actually has written a couple letters to me, and I've answered them online. And he said, excellent, entertaining podcast. I've listened to most of them, but getting ready to sell out and become a liveaboard. So I'm going to listen again with pen and paper. Thanks, Franz. And then the one just most recently, on October 17th, by Dreaming of Sailing Away. He says, Franz brings many years of sailing experience to bear excellent content with interviews and his vast experience in the med makes this podcast one not to miss. Franz has a heart of a teacher and shares experiences with his unique personality. I don't miss a podcast. Thank you for dreaming of sailing away. So I do appreciate those reviews. If you have any comments, suggestions for future podcasts, drop me an email franz1 at medsailor.com or use the contact form at the website and get out there and go sailing Joe do you have something to tell me? no I don't think so I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford Princeton can use a guy like Joe what? Princeton can use a guy like Joel. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you every once in a while, you just got to say, what the heck, and take some chances. You are so right. You made me very proud. I was just thinking where we might be 10 years from now, you know? <laughs>